Hi, friends, and welcome to the Fullness of Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Matheson. Here at the Fullness of Joy, we talk about hard things in light of the gospel, because life is hard, but God is good. We encourage our hearts by reminding ourselves of the truth day in and day out. I pray this encourages your heart and that your challenge to know Christ more deeply as a result. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to season three of the Fullness of Joy podcast. I am so excited to be back in your earbuds, and I'm really looking forward to sharing this new series with you. We're going to be focusing on adoption this month, and that's because November is National Adoption Awareness Month here in the States. And so I'll be sharing with you some conversations with women from different backgrounds that have a role of adop- in adoption. And before we dig into the interviews, though, I just wanted to share with you guys why adoption is so important to me. You may or may not know, but my husband and I were foster parents before we were biological parents. And a lot of people ask us what made us say yes to the calling of foster care. And it was several different things. On our very first date, we talked about how we both thought we would like to adopt one day. And we didn't really know what we were saying or all that it would entail, but we really wanted to adopt children into our family. And nine months later, we got married. And we had said that we would wait for a while before we had, quote, our own kids. And we were like a lot of people on our journey, thinking it was important to establish our own family before taking other kids into our home. And we had a lot to learn. When we had been married for about two years, we started trying to get pregnant and nothing was happening. And that was a very dark and painful time for both of us. But God grew us and stretched us a lot through that. And the church that we were attending at the time hosts a conference every year for fostering and adoptive families. And so when we attended, we learned about the foster care crisis in our state and in our nation and honestly, right in our backyard. And our eyes were opened. And we left the parking lot that day talking about what we sensed God was telling us to do. And we both said to each other, I think we're supposed to foster. So we began the process a few months later and started filling out all the paperwork and taking the classes and doing the home study to open our home to children in need. And we were very ready, but scared and willing. That was the most important part, right? So our first placement was a sibling group of three, and we were definitely in over our heads, and that wasn't just because there were three of them. We were overwhelmed by their needs, and their hearts were broken, and you know we thought we had done the work to be prepared, and we thought that we knew what we were doing. And in our pride, we assumed that we could do, quote, a better job than their parents, because you know they were in care for a reason, right? But we ate many slices of humble pie, when we realized that we were not their saviors and the only thing we could do was love them with the love of Christ and introduce them to Christ and know for sure that God loved them more than we did and that God had a better plan for them and that we just got to be a very small part of it. And so after our initial placement, I was able to miraculously conceive our son and we moved to a new home across town where we were living at the time in Athens, Georgia. And then six months later, our daughter came to live with us and she was 15 at the time and not at all what we would have planned for, but exactly who the Lord knew that we needed. And we're now blessed to call her our forever daughter. And so then from the summer of 2020 to summer 2021, another tween girl lived with us. And so to date, we've cared for five kids through foster parenting and fostering and adoption are not callings that are for special people or super Christians. And 
You know, the starry-eyed days of anticipating what it would be like to bring children into our home were short-lived because when our first placement walked through our doors, all we could think about was how ill-prepared we were to take on the seemingly insurmountable task of caring for children from hard places. But that's just like God, right? He gives us way more than we can handle when we're sure that we have just what we need to be able to, quote, do a good job. We were sure that we were well-equipped to loved and care for children from hard places. I mean, I was a former elementary school teacher. We both worked in ministry. We grew up in church. We had a community of supportive friends and family that surrounded us. And we were just really certain that our love and that of our Savior would be enough to care for even the deepest wounds. And yes, this is true, but we still had so much to learn. And this is what we know as foster and adoptive parents. One day... All will know that our God is Lord of all. And, you know, whether we're 33 or 83, when we say yes to God, we can know that he is going to glorify himself through our obedience. So we were completely inadequate, but God was sufficient for all things. And we trusted him to see, to to understand and know that, you know, even if the children that we cared for never came to Christ while they were within our home, we hoped that we would be able to know that we were sowing seeds and that his ability to work all things together for good included the most broken parts of our world, even hearts broken through the trauma of foster care. So right now, there are almost 400,000 children in foster care in the United States. And of those 400,000, there are about 117,000 who are waiting to be adopted and have a place to call home. And God's word is very clear on how we're to care for the orphan. Matthew 25, 34 through 40 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So not only are we the hands and feet of Jesus, but when we serve the least of these and the forgotten, we're serving him. And in the Christian life, we walk within a series of both and paradoxes, right? And this is a joy, a privilege, and an honor. So today, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Trisha Collins. She is absolutely incredible, and I know you'll be so encouraged by her story. She had so much wisdom to share, so I split this episode into two parts, and you'll have to tune in next week to hear the rest. But for now, enjoy part one of this conversation with Trisha Collins, and I'll talk to you soon. Well, hello, Trisha. How are you doing today? Welcome to the Fullness of Joy. I am great. Thank you for asking, my friend. <laughs> I am so excited to get to chat with you today. You are just a woman that I admire so much. Even though we haven't got to spend a ton of time together, I'm really glad to be able to introduce you to my audience. So could you just kind of get us started by telling us about yourself, who you are, how you spend your days? Yeah, well, and first off, just the admiration is mutual, goes both ways, right? <laughs> Who I am and how do I spend my days? I'm a wife. I'm a mother to two teenage girls, one adopted through foster care, 
And I work full time. I work for an organization called Child Bridge. It's in Montana. And my title is Director of Missional Impact. But basically what we do is we help to find families for children who've been abused and neglected that are in foster care. And the way we go about that is through the Christian church. And so we're really just asking God's people to do what God's word says, which is to care for the orphan in distress. And, and for us in America, that orphan is the child in foster care. So I spend my days really full, really busy. We have a little ranchette here in Montana with a bunch of critters as well. And that's my sanctuary and uh, just love what I get to do every day. I love that. And we actually met because I was able to be a part of y'all's retreat that you host for foster moms for your local community. And it was just such a beautiful time. And it's very clear that the work that y'all are doing is impactful and meaningful. I just heard from so many women what your ministry and what your organization has meant to them in the thick of fostering and adoption. And so thank you for that incredible work that you're doing. It's appreciated. And I know that it has a ripple effect that I'm sure you're not, you're not ever going to understand or know until we get to heaven. <laughs> so I would Praise just love God. to, yeah, I would love to hear from you about your story a little bit. How has adoption impacted you? Because you are an adoptee and an adoptive parent. So you've kind of got both sides of the coin. How would you say that it's impacted your life? Yeah. You know, when you reached out to me to do this, I said, oh, are you sure you want me to tell the fullness of my story? Because the adoptee part isn't my favorite part of the story, but the adoptive certainly is, and it's redemption. And so where adoption first came into my life was uh, my parents were divorced when I was very young, and my mom pretty quickly got into a relationship with who would be my stepdad. And he would eventually become my adoptive stepdad at about age five. We'd met him at about age two. And uh, quite truthfully, he was really preying upon her. She was a single woman with three young children. And um, he would move us 3,000 miles across the country and isolate us and abuse us in all kinds of really horrific and profound ways. And, you know, he was the only dad I ever knew as a child. So really messed up when the person who's supposed to teach you about love and about trust and just that you're beautiful and to protect you and all those good things uh, turns and is actually a predator. Um, so that's my first experience as an adoptee. I would, as a teenager, not officially be adopted by a foster family, but they certainly are my family in my mind. And of course, I've been adopted by God, the father, and he would forward us, my husband and I, we would be in church one day and we would hear a woman come and speak of the plight of children in foster care, just that abuse and neglect that they were suffering and I would just cry the messy, messy, messy cry and just kind of snot going every which way. And we would choose to step into foster care at that point uh, to add a second child into our home. And unbeknownst to us, God would have just a, a real clear through line of redemption in that a girl would come to us at age two, same age that I 
had my stepdad come into my life and she would be adopted at age five, same age that I had been adopted. And, and she's our precious baby daughter. And, you know, I think back when I was adopted, I remember my oldest sibling was the only one they asked, do you want to be adopted? They didn't ask us younger kids. We didn't have a voice in court. I remember internally thinking, not thinking, screaming, say no, say no. And my brother, of course, afraid of our dad said yes. And, you know, when you fast forward to adoption day, so many years later with our baby girl, I was amazed because the judge did ask her, do you want to be adopted by these people? And she did say yes. And I thought, oh, look at just how clear that through line of redemption has been that God would just ordain it to be just so perfectly redemptive of the things that I had suffered and the pain. Uh, He'd turned it to purpose. He'd turned it to passion. And um, I can't imagine life without my baby girl. Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) It is so incredible to hear how, like you said, how specific the Lord was in his redemption. It wasn't just that you got to be an adoptive mom, but those specific ages of your, where you were in your story and with your daughter and her story, like only a loving and kind God could do that. I I mean, I just can't even imagine what that's meant to you and how that's kind of solidified your understanding of his love for you. Like you said, because you have been adopted by him. You said that you would consider your foster family, um, you're more like your family, you're a, a kind of, I guess, heavenly adoptive family, spiritual adoptive family. So how did the Lord draw you to himself after walking through all of this abuse, this unspeakable trauma at the hands of those who, like you said, they were meant to love and care for you? Was your foster family that place where you would be able to finally feel safe? Like what did your spiritual journey look like? Yeah, it looks long. It looks messy. It looks raw. It looks honest. And, you know, it's still being written, of course. But, you know, one of the amazing parts of my story that, again, it can only be God. I've literally been in church almost my entire life. I've hardly missed a Sunday. There was maybe a little blip in my early 20s with some real strong rebellion that I wasn't in church. But he's always been drawing me to himself. There was always a neighbor who drove me to church or a van driver or or just someone. He's always had me in church. And, you know, as a little girl, uh, they say I, I sang the loudest in the church choir and not the best, but the loudest. I think even as a little girl, even when I was suffering, I was learning to praise him in my That's suffering. Oh, it's so good. He was just teaching me to sing in the dark, even from a really young age. And so, you know, you'd ask, was my foster family a part of that? You know, it was first my foster brothers who weren't my foster brothers at that time, but I had met them through the church and it was they who went to their parents and it was the youth pastor who went to the parents and said, would you consider taking her in? And I was an angry teen who'd been through many, many foster homes. I was in a group home and and they <laughs> raised their hand and said, yeah, let's take that in. Let's take that on. And That's um, incredible. I'm so grateful 
and they had a lot of reasons they should have said no. You know, my foster dad, Rich, <laughs> he was paralyzed on half of his body uh, mm-hmm. from a car accident years earlier. They had teenage sons. I was doing things you really wouldn't want your teenage sons around. But they knew that dark that light overcomes darkness, not the other way around. They knew how they had raised their sons and they knew. And I believe my foster dad just thought, man, if we could take all that, that she's got all that vim, that vigor, that, and if we could point it in the right direction towards God's work and the things of God, he could only imagine what God would do with it. And so the Lord drew me slowly. He wooed me. There was many different points. I think the most dramatic moment, there's probably two of them in my story. One is I was telling my story at a church and there was a woman in my life not having to do with church. And she came up to me and she said, I really admire your faith. I want to know more about how you have faith in God. And I said, well, funny thing is next Sunday, I'm telling my story at my church. Would you like to come? So she came and I guess she sat in the back. I never saw her that day. And then I saw her the next day on Monday and she said, wow, Trisha, I still really admire your faith. I don't want to gain it the way that you gained it. And it was the craziest thing. This total stranger that I've hardly seen since Hmm. spoke something into me that made me realize in that moment when she said it, I realized, oh my goodness, God, you have trusted me with so much within my story Mm. and trust is a funny thing. It's reciprocal. And so I realized in that moment, Oh my gosh, you've trusted me with so much. I want to trust you with just as much. Wow. It was this thing where (laughs) I was realizing, then there's a second moment that's really kind of dramatic in the story. And that's I'm pregnant and I'm age 38 and I'm barely five feet tall. I'm as big (laughs) wide as I am tall at that time. And I've just found out it's a girl. And the truth be told, I didn't want a girl. I, I I didn't know why at the time. I can look back now and think, oh, I bet you I was internally, subconsciously afraid she could be abused if, if it was a girl. Yeah. But at the time, you know, it was a very serious thing to me. I am in my bathroom. I'm on my knees, my usual, real, honest conversation with God. My fists are raised to the sky. And I'm saying, why is she a girl? I do not want a girl. <laughs> and I heard his oh voice. Oh my goodness. It wasn't audible, but I heard his voice undeniable. And he said to me, I want to show you how a father loves a daughter. Mm. It's a line mm. of demarcation in my life. My life has never been the same since that moment. Everything before it's kind of a before and everything after is an after because what he was doing was he was reworking that experience I'd had at the hands of my father. And he was showing me what a godly father is like through my husband. And Mm -hmm. as I watched my husband love our daughter in every appropriate way, and there's this really cool thing that fathers and daughters have that I didn't know existed. And it's really special and precious. And I just wept and sobbed as I watched them. And my heart was softened to father God. And it was six months of her birth that I was like, oh, if you're like that, anything like that. I want that. I want all that you have for me. I want to be your precious baby girl. And, and that is where salvation came for me. That's where I was able to say, 
I repent of my sin. I want a relationship with you. And what he's taught me in the years since is that I'm a daughter worth having. Mm -hmm. And that he'd go to any lengths to have me. And he went to great lengths to have me. And that's been so redemptive. And I know that I'm loved today. Mm. I think that just thinking through all that you walk through and then this fear, I'm sure, of just, well, I can't let that happen to my children. What if, mm-hmm. what if? And that subconscious knowing of how bad things can go and the hurt and the pain that is possible in this life, just knowing your frailty and God's kindness to meet you in that frailty is just such a precious picture of his love. I mean, I I think that there are so many people that will be encouraged by that and perhaps will see some of your story in their own. I'm sure that they won't have the exact same circumstances and experiences, but just looking at your life and saying, okay, you know what? What are the ways that God has tried to show me his redemptive love? but you know, I've been missing out on it or I've been afraid to receive it because I'm kind of wondering when is the other shoe going to drop or is it too good to be true? And your story, you know, it says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? So knowing that your story is that redemptive circle of, no, I once was blind, but now I see I was lost, but I'm found and that you have been found by him. I think that's going to encourage so many people. So I'm Thank you so much for sharing that so openly and honestly. As you kind yeah. of think through just what it was like to say yes to fostering when you had already been through so much, there was so much trauma and pain that you had to work through on your own. I'm sure that there was a hesitancy in some in some sense, possibly in the flesh, <laughs> the spirit was willing, but I don't know if, if you're anything like me, maybe the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. <laughs> What would you say to someone who is considering foster care or adoption, but doesn't think that they have what it takes or they feel like their past is, you know, it's, it's just too hard and it's too messy for me to welcome that kind of brokenness into my home when I've already been through much, so much, excuse me. Yeah. The first thing I would say is you don't have what it takes, (laughs) but he does. (laughs) No one does. (laughs) Right. And he lives inside of you and you live for this. And the coolest thing is, as we step out in faith and we step out in obedience, you know, I thought I was helping her. (laughs) You know, I've got this friend, Brian, and he's got a song and it says, in the end, you saved me. And the truth be told was that God was trying to bring me my healing through my obedience to care for her. In Isaiah, it talks about if we care for those who are in need, those who are vulnerable, it says, then our healing will quickly appear, which I've found yes, I to be true. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it says quickly. I'm exactly always like, I'm what you're holding you about. to that. <laughs> you know, he says that day is not the same to him, right? But, mm-hmm. but, but the thing is, is actually it's brought my own healing about to care for her. And I've got such compassion for her because I know what it's like, right? And she and I have that in common. And she'll say, you know what it's like, mom, you know what it's like to have been, but, 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 right. You know what it's like to be in a family that isn't your biological family. And, and so, uh, it just really raised my compassion and I'll be honest, 
I didn't hesitate too much. My one big hesitation was this idea of loving them and having to let them go, right? Mm, Because I know that I love bigly and I love deeply. And I was like, Lord, um, you know, because I went to my husband and I said, okay, there's check boxes and it says foster or adopt. I'm like, which one should we do? And he's like, well, what's the need? <laughs> and I said, well, it's oh foster. And he said, well, that's what we'll do. And I was like, mm. oh, I don't know about and this. I, <laughs> right. And I had to go back to the Lord and I said, Lord, oh, I don't know that I can do that. And he asked me, he said, will you trust me? And I was like, oh. I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh. You are trustworthy. You've proven yourself. Okay. I'm going to trust you. And the truth be told, you know, I've had a child added to my family. I've had children leave my family. You know, I, I've ended up doing both. What was interesting though, was in my particular case, that first kiddo that came into our home is the one we ended up adopting. And so he did meet my heart's desire <laughs> yeah. while he also stretched me and he taught me how selfish my view was that I was looking at it from what I might lose rather than what they might gain Mm, and what they might gain pales in comparison to what I might lose. (laughs) There there's no comparing the two, right? It's not a adding to our family mechanism. It's giving family to children Mm -hmm. who need family mechanism. Right. And so he just was like, girl, you're selfish and I'm going to heal you of that. And I'm going to teach you that a mended heart is actually stronger than the one that's never been broken. Friend, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this show. I created it to share the truth of God's word with those near and far. I pray it's been a blessing to you. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please leave a review wherever you're listening and share it with a friend. That will help more people find it and help more people find it fullness of joy. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Hi friends. Before you go, I want to tell you a little something. Earlier this year, I started offering one-on-one coaching sessions to women who feel weary and overwhelmed. This is a faith-based life coaching. And in these sessions, I get to work with women to make and reach their goals. And I help them move from just going through the motions to truly walking with Jesus and enjoying the life that he's given them. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, I would love to hear from you. You can get more information on my website and in the show notes. You can send me a message or book a free call to just see if this is something that's right for you. One of my clients said this in a testimonial. She said, I pursued coaching with Jessica because I wanted to help help with finding a way to feel connected to God again. He had been distant for so long, I wasn't sure how or where to start to draw near to him again. Jessica made it practical and attainable to rekindle my intimacy with God. I want that for you, friends. If that's something that you desire and that you need, reach out to me.